If you've ever wondered what to post online and where to post it, this is the show for you. Today, I take you back inside my inner circle business development community, and I give you a peek into one of our discussions from early 2020. This is a discussion we're having around online content, what to post and where to post it. I'm doing a slide presentation for the group on a video streaming platform. So the group is watching and they're asking questions as we go along. The reason I'm giving you this glimpse inside my inner circle business development community is number one, because this is a great session and you'll discover a lot of new things about online content. The second reason I'm doing it is because I want you to join me on the inside. I want you to be part of my inner circle business development community, and I'm going to offer you a way to save $1,000 to do it. You have between now and the end of the month, if you'd like to join me, go to joindavelorenzo.com. You can check out all the information there. The benefits are fantastic. You get to meet with me and a group of other people. Sometimes we have as many as 50 people in the session and we share best practices. I do two presentations a week and share really great information with you. The first presentation I do is foundational information and the second presentation of the week is more advanced. We have other members of the community sharing their best practices with us. In addition, we do once a month what I call hot seats. And on these hot seats, you get live coaching from me and from other members of the business development community. We do between six and 10 of those hot seats every month. And people's businesses have been transformed as a result of sitting on the hot seat. So if you want to join us, you can apply at joindavelorenzo.com, joindavelorenzo.com. I hope to see you there on the inside. All right, sit back and relax as I take you on the guided tour of content marketing. Once again, welcome to the Inner Circle Business Development Community on this episode of The Inside BS Show. Welcome to online content, what to post and where to post it. As I said, I had a fantastic time putting this slide deck together. Why? Because I took the questions, the burning questions that everyone asks me about online marketing, and I posed them to myself, and then I answered them as if I was talking to all of you, my really close friends, the people I meet with twice a week. All right, so is content marketing dead? Let's start there. I hear all the time, oh, Dave, search engine optimization is too hard, and now in order to be good at Google, you need to make sure that you're advertising because nothing any normal person or small proprietor posts will ever come up first page. All right. To the extent that back in 2008, you used to be able to write an article and within 48 hours appear in the top three search results in Google. That used to happen. It doesn't happen like that anymore. So if that's what you're looking for from the internet, that's not around anymore. But content marketing is far from dead. In fact, it is more relevant than ever. So the answer to that question is no. Content marketing is your best opportunity to build credibility with your audience. 
So if someone doesn't know you and they stumble upon your website, or if you're out playing golf with Doug Kay and he mentions, I'm working with this guy, Dave Lorenzo, he's a little quirky, but he really knows his stuff. And then you go home and you Google Dave Lorenzo and you go to my website and you see all of these articles and you start to read them and you think to yourself, this is really interesting and informative content. This guy really knows his stuff. I'm building credibility with you. And content marketing, whether you choose to write or post videos or do a podcast and put that on your website or distribute that stuff through social media, it is one of the best opportunities to build your credibility. Now, if you work at a firm and the firm has a website, you should post as much content as you can on the firm's website because the more content that's up there, the more, let's just call it Google juice, your website will get. But when people search your firm, they'll, they'll find you because your content is pervasive. The return value when you post content. Let me talk about that for a minute. Getting people to come back over and over again and consume your content is almost a guarantee that that person will become a client at some point. Those of you who are with me today, and there are several of you, a lot of you found me through some type of outreach, and then you received articles from me. And a lot of you read many, many articles before you decided to invest any time or money with me. And the reason that you did that was because you wanted to figure out if I was the real deal. You wanted to figure out if I knew what I was talking about. Your clients are no different. They may have a little bit more urgency. They may have something going on right now and they may need a lawyer or a professional for that issue right now. So they may be on your website thinking, I might be able to solve this problem with this person. Let me read about them. And they may read 10 articles at one time rather than one article a week like a lot of you did with me. But getting people to come back, that's what I call return value. Getting people to come back is important. And I put on there that it keeps you in the game. What do I mean by this? I mean that if people aren't ready to work with you today, maybe they don't have a need or maybe they still have a provider that they're, that they're using, but they like your content and they keep coming back, you're still in the game. You still have a shot at working with them. So keeping them coming back is a big part of content marketing. Pass along value, forwarding email, forwarding podcasts, forwarding videos to other people, huge. So content marketing provides you with that. Building up a body of work, meaning creating hundreds of articles or dozens of videos helps you cement your status as an expert because you have a body of work that you can point to. And when people say, hey, do you know anything about transnational torts? You can say, yes, I've had six transnational torts cases and I've written 14 articles. Let me show you where they are on my website. You can demonstrate your expertise through your body of work. Finally, it is proof that you are a thought leader, an expert, a guru, okay? If you want to differentiate yourself from everyone else who does what you do, point to what you've written in your area of expertise. That differentiates you. Okay, people say to me all the time, Dave, clients don't have time to read. Dave, clients don't have time to watch videos. 
Dave, clients don't have time to listen to podcasts. And my response is, well, you know, people who don't have time to read or don't have time to watch videos or don't have time to listen to podcasts or invest in personal improvement or professional development, those are people who are usually not successful. So the most successful people are people who continue to grow. They invest 10 to 20% of their time, of their resources in their growth. So when people tell me that, I say that's crap, okay? If people are not investing in your stuff, you've got to create better stuff, okay? You've got to be compelling. Compelling content is consumed. That's a lot of alliteration, I know, but that doesn't mean it's not true, all right? If you create good content, people will listen to it, they'll watch it, they'll read it. If people aren't engaging in your content, you gotta tell more stories. And if you're telling stories and people aren't engaging, you gotta tell better stories. So you need to have better experiences so that you can come up with better stories. You gotta create content that's relevant to your audience. This means you need to talk to your audience. It means you need to spend time understanding your audience. Finally, you gotta create content that's timely. You have to create content that people can use today, use right now. People can use to either get a return on investment, reduce their risk, make more money, or save money. Now, I'm looking over at the chat board, and I see we have a, a very nice comment from Carmen Hires. As seen in Entrepreneur Magazine, content builds relationships, relationships build trust, trust equals sales. Thank you, Carmen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Finally, you've got to be entertaining. You gotta be entertaining. If people aren't getting a chuckle out of what you've written or they're not, you're not moving them to some form of emotion or at minimum making them smile or making them think, if you're not doing that, then your content is not gonna work. So. Better content means clients will invest their time. How do I write for online? People ask me this all the time. How do I write content for the website? The first thing you need to do, picture a human, write for them. Most people are hung up on uh, search engines and keywords and hashtags. Don't worry about that. Absolutely forget about all that crap. Write for humans, okay? This means you have to write almost like you're having a conversation with the person. You're not writing for the court. You're not writing an academic paper. I would want you to tell a story. I would want you to uh, share an experience with me. I want you to teach me how to do something. And I want you to do it as if I'm sitting across from you. You need to break up your text. In other words, use different size fonts, create headings for separate paragraphs. Uh, you can use different colored text if you're online. Really junk it up. You can make some text bigger than others so that people look at it and they're like, wow, that looks really ugly. You know what? If somebody says, wow, that text looks really ugly, their eye is drawn to it, they're going to read some of it. So when we do a copywriting session, I will show you what I mean by junk it up. But at minimum, break up big blocks of text. Nobody wants to read a, 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 just a whole jumble of a big block of text. If you have a headline and it's compelling, 
people will be drawn into your content and then you should indent part of your content, use bullet points, make lists. That's what I mean by breakup text. Length is not important. Length is not a really big deal. Your content should be as long as it needs to be in order to convey your point. It should be as long as it needs to be to tell the story. It should be as long as it needs to be in order to make something compelling for your audience. You should include links to relevant content. So what that means is if you're telling a story and you're linking out to something, uh, if you're telling a story and there's a resource, you should link out to something. What does this mean? Um, when, you, when you have something that is a reference, you don't necessarily need to footnote it, but provide a link to the relevant content. So in other words, if you're referencing, um, let's, say, let's say in this, uh, in, in this presentation, if it was an article and I was writing an article and I talked about segmentation, I would, with the word segmentation, I would highlight it and then, oops, I would highlight it and then I would go ahead and link segmentation to the previous article that I had written. Share, 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 what does that mean? That means if somebody writes something that's compelling, you should share it so that they will share yours. It also means whatever you write, you should share it on your social media. And it also means whatever you write that goes old or stale, you should share it as if it's new later on. So you can share an article that you wrote a year ago on your social media accounts, or you can link to it and refresh it to make it new again. So share on social media, share content that other people post uh, so that they will share yours and reshare some of your older stuff to keep it fresh. Should I load up on hashtags and keywords? Hell no, okay? Again, you're writing for humans. Search engines now have artificial intelligence. What does that mean? That means that search engines can tell when you're stuffing the keywords in there. For those of you who are, uh, who are new to this or you're kind of uninitiated in online marketing, you know, a keyword is something like uh, law firm marketing. So if I, if I was writing an article and I wanted to get Google juice back in the early 2008, 2007 era, I would stuff the keywords, uh, law firm marketing, legal marketing, marketing for lawyers throughout my article. And that would rank me higher, in theory, if somebody typed those keywords in there. Well, that doesn't work anymore. The search engines all now use artificial intelligence, which can get a really good contextual understanding of what you're writing. That means that they'll be able to tell if you use law firm marketing more than four times, they will think that you're a keyword stuffing and you're not gonna, your article's not gonna come up in any search results. So write for humans, the search engines will figure it out. If you put too many keywords in an article, Google will banish you. They'll take your domain and they'll banish you. I know because I worked with an unscrupulous SEO guy and my original website, RainmakerLawyer.com, got banished from Google for like five years. You couldn't find it anywhere. Just create good stuff. That's the bottom line. Write 
excellent content, write really good descriptions for your podcasts or for your videos and let the SEO take care of itself. If you're really interested in search engine optimization, you can hire an SEO expert. SEO stands for search engine optimization. You can hire an SEO expert, but that takes time and money. And most of the search engine optimization experts uh, just claim to be experts. They're unscrupulous. So I would tell you that I, I know probably two or three people that are good at search engine optimization and you're going to invest a minimum of $1,500 a month for at least a year. And even then you might come up on the first page of search for some, you know, uh, barely relevant keywords, but it's just, there's so much content out there these days. Search engine optimization is really, really difficult. Is video the answer? Well, let's see. Maybe. What does that mean? As a guy who does a fair amount of videos, great videos are awesome. So if you can do a really good video once a month and produce 12 great videos a year, that's better than doing 24 mediocre videos. Videos are a lot of work. Research is critical. What do I mean by that? If you make a fantastic video, but you're the only person who cares about the topic, it doesn't matter. You have to make a fantastic video about something that everybody in your market niche cares about. So a couple of days ago, we talked about segmentation. If you make a good video and it's relevant to the, everybody in your segment, you're hitting a home run. When you create video, editing is important. And if you don't know how to edit, you're gonna have to invest in editing. And if you invest in editing, that is gonna cost you a little bit of cash. So be prepared to make that commitment upfront. Anybody who's interested in video, if you're watching this now and you're a member of my community, I'll help you do a budget. And when you do the budget, you can see if it's worth it or not. Um, you know, it could be worth it because video can last for a very long time. I have videos that are still productive for me from years ago before quality video was really good. I mean, like the, you know, they look a little, they look, they look like they were shot in 2008. The content is fantastic and I always look good, but the, but the, the quality of the video is like 720. It's not 1080 or, or, um, you know, or 4k. So people can tell it's an older video, but the content is good. So if you make it today, it'll be good for 10 years. Remember, your background, how you dress, and the quality of your content is all important. Don't make a video in a t-shirt. Don't make a video, especially like a concert t-shirt. Don't make a video in your kitchen. Don't make a video with the background of your swimming pool and your kids running back and forth, okay? Better yet, don't make a video with like your underwear in the background. That mistake has been made plenty of times by people who we all know and respect. <laughs> and I'm talking about me. You don't want to make a video that has a background where uh, you, you'd be embarrassed by it, especially if you're not good at attention to detail and you don't notice it. All right. So we've got a good question from Carmen Hires. Um, it says, 
Uh, I see that Gary V, she's talking about Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, online guru, basically says the same thing, but rewrites it a million times and his headlines are basically the same, but slightly different. What's your take on this? Uh, and then her point, and then she said to my point about being unscrupulous, I would add that most don't know what they're doing. So you're right, Carmen, most SEO people don't know what they're doing. Let's talk about Gary V for a minute. All right. Here's my thoughts on Gary Vaynerchuk. And I'm somebody who has followed Gary Vaynerchuk since he was filming his videos uh, in, in Wine Library, which is a wine store in Central Jersey, okay? That's how Gary Vaynerchuk got his start. I like Gary's content a lot. I like Gary a lot. I think he's got a lot of really important and relevant stuff to share. Um, I watch his videos. I agree with probably 70, 75% of what he says. I think you got to be careful with redundancy. Now, uh, there actually, I answer a question similar to this in here, but we'll talk about it now since Carmen asked. You can do a video on a similar topic to an article that you've written, but you shouldn't read the article verbatim in the video. So you can have duplicate content in terms of article and video. Now, I'm not a big fan of rewriting the same article over and over again and redoing the headline over and over again. I think that if you're really an expert, you've got a lifetime of experience, so you can talk about the same topic in different ways, and that is valuable because people learn in different ways. So when it comes to repositioning or uh, reusing your content, repurposing your content. The content that I write in an article, I'll also do a video on, I'll also do a podcast on, and I may chop up into different quotes that can be placed on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, you know, different social media outlets. So in that regard, I do repurpose the content, but not verbatim. But I would never take the same article and just redo the same article over and over again. Now, something I have done over the years is I have taken uh, videos that I, that I did five, six years ago and redone those videos to update them based on what's going on currently. So, uh, for example, there's a lot of stuff that I talk about that works really well in person for in-person referrals or for in-person speaking that I'm doing now for coronavirus type stuff. So uh, webinars, Zoom meetings versus in-person speaking. Some of the same rules apply. We have to add some rules and we may drop a few, uh, drop a few recommendations for Zoom meetings. Will the in-person stuff be relevant again? Absolutely, it definitely will be re relevant again um, you know, when things get back to the way they were, when there are in-person meetings again. But will the Zoom stuff continue to be relevant? Absolutely, that's gonna be relevant because we're gonna to continue to do this, I think, even after in-person meetings happen. So you can always update content and people appreciate that. In fact, one of the things I've seen people do very successfully is I've seen people update content that changes year after year. And when they do, they link to their previous content. 
And a lot of people appreciate that. Thanks for the question, Carmen. All right, what about podcasting? I like podcasting. I think podcasting is a good secondary or tertiary strategy. What do I mean by that? Well, I think you should have a primary strategy or several primary strategies uh, for attracting clients. So if you're using webinars and direct mail and email as your primary content, uh, as your primary client attraction strategies, then you can do podcasting as a way to deepen relationships with people. I wouldn't use podcasting as a way to increase your visibility. Why? The podcast market is saturated. It's hard to break through. Very few people are going to do the homework to search to find your podcast. The work you would do to promote a podcast, meaning you'd have to go on other people's podcasts to promote your podcast, it is just as easy to go on other people's podcasts to promote your primary business, which is being a lawyer or running your primary business versus promoting your podcast. So it's a good secondary or tertiary strategy. Podcasting is great for reaching out to people you want to be your clients and interviewing them. That's how, how I would use it. I recommend it for that. You need an expert to set up your podcast these days. It's not difficult to set up a podcast because of you know what I do. I could set up my own, but you don't want to invest like a day of your time setting up a podcast. It's better for you to pay somebody $300, $400 to set everything up for you and then you hit the ground running. Um, in order to make podcasting worthwhile, you have to be different, you have to be entertaining, you need some sort of a hook, you have to, be, uh, have, to have a, you know, a really interesting personality. Consistency is key. If you don't put new shows up frequently, you're gonna lose your audience, and that can be a real burden. It can be a heavy suitcase to carry around, having to do a podcast once a week or twice a month. Editing and booking guests flat out sucks. I'm not gonna lie to you. Editing your podcast is a huge pain in the ass. Booking guests is an even bigger pain in the ass. For every 50 emails you send out, people reply to five, and of those five replies, two people say yes, and then only one of them is available during the time you have available. So you're spending a lot of time doing that. If you had a virtual assistant, you'd still have to curate the list of people you'd want to have on your show and give it to the virtual assistant the virtual assistant would pester the crap out of them to get them on the show. So when it comes to podcasting, again, if you have a great voice and if you have a great personality and if you're really into this sort of thing, you can do it. Um, you just need to set it up the right way. If this interests you, again, sit down with me. I will help you create a budget for this and we'll work on your plan for doing it. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't think it's the only thing you should be doing. Ah, we talked about this. Can I use the same content in many places? It's like I read your mind, Carmen. Okay. Well, the answer is yes, definitely. First thing you do is you put it on your website. The next thing I would do is I would make it an article that I would send out as, as my email newsletter. Then I would make it one of my articles in the print newsletter, one of the four articles I put in my print newsletter. Then I would post it on LinkedIn. 
if it was a really solid article and it was a little on the longer side, I would pitch it to trade journals for my industry niche. If it was really good and I got a lot of feedback, I would offer it to article syndicators that uh, make money by selling articles to other people. You could get royalties on it. I'm not interested in the royalties. I'm interested in distribution. That is, you know, for people like us who are professionals and we're just writing to build up a content library, a body of work, syndication is not something we focus on. But I've had, I've had a couple of articles that have been syndicated. You know, it makes you enough to like buy a sandwich at Publix. Uh, don't do it for the money, do it for the distribution. Will anyone read, watch, or listen and then engage me? Really? Will anybody hire me as a result of the stuff I'm doing, Dave? Yes, the answer is yes, yes. The key is be interesting, be entertaining, be consistent, and don't give up. Now, we've talked about all of these, right? Be interesting, I've talked about being entertaining, being consistent. If you're gonna start, I would start by doing one article a month, and then I would commit to one article every other week, and then you could do one article a week. And then if you wanna do more than that, you create a schedule. But if you're gonna do an article a week, if that's your goal, don't post the first one until you write four. That's my rule of thumb. If I'm going to do something until I have a month's worth, I don't do it. That's to ensure my consistency. Now when I say don't give up, what am I basing this on? Many of you have heard the Dave Lorenzo, Offit Kerman story. But in case you haven't heard it, I'll tell it briefly anyway. I posted a bunch of videos in 2008, 2009, specifically for lawyers on YouTube. And I did a video every day for like two years. And then I got really busy. So I stopped doing the videos because the editing was taking me a lot of time. Well, in 2016, 2017, uh, no, 2017, a guy named Steve Hyatt called me. Steve was the former uh, HR head at Offit Kerman. And he said, my firm is looking to do some business development coaching and I've watched all of your videos and I think you're the guy. Uh, we'd like you to talk to our managing shareholder. So I did. And that's how I got into Offit Kerman and I now work with, last year, I worked with uh, over 80 of their attorneys, including the fantastic Doug Kay. And, uh, you know, this current year, um, we have, uh, we're looking at the fourth quarter for a startup of the business development university that we've created at Offer Kerman. They're a great client for me. They're a, uh, they're a significant size client for me. And they came from videos that I did years ago. So while I've gotten a couple of individual clients here and there from posting YouTube videos, after Offit Kerman came on board, I started making videos with consistency again. And I told myself that I wouldn't give up on this stuff because, just because I didn't get a client for a year or two. If the video content is good and people are watching it, eventually it will produce clients. The same is true with content in your email newsletter. The same is true with content on your website. Eventually, people are going to tell you, I'm coming to you specifically because of this. I had a conversation last week with a, an excellent criminal defense attorney here in Miami, and he said, the reason I'm talking to you now 
is because of an article I read last week. And he quoted me the article verbatim. It was an article I had written on making sure you force the client to say no to you rather than letting them off the hook in a meeting. He said to me, that has made me more money in the last six weeks than anything else, um, anything else I've, I've read online ever. So that's why I figured I would call you. It's just another example of me sending out my email consistently. If I hadn't done it, uh, that guy wouldn't have seen it. I wrote the article. I published it. I put it in the, in the newsletter. I sent it out. And you know what? Later, six weeks, seven weeks later, the guy ended up calling me. Can't I just hire a writer? Can't I just have somebody do this for me, Dave? I hear that all the time. All right. The answer is no. And the reason the answer is no is because that person doesn't write like you. They don't know your clients. Most of the writers out there are absolutely awful. If you don't blame me, talk to Nancy. I'm sure she's worked with a lot of really bad writers. Uh, most of them are unemployed teachers or failed real estate salespeople or people who moonlight as something else. And, you know, really, they're just not good. You know, they think they can write. Somebody told them they were a good writer and they suck. Um, people who are reading your copy or, you know, listening to you, they want your voice. They want to hear your voice in the copy. They want your opinion. If you hire a writer, you also might not be familiar with the topic. You might not be familiar with the article. So it'll be hard for you to talk about what was written in the article. So I really don't recommend you hire a writer to write your content. Do I have clients who, do hi who hire writers? I do have clients who hire writers. Are they successful? Yes, yeah, some of them are successful. But you know what? I believe that a person who reads your articles that were not written by you and then talks to you, I firmly believe they can tell. And just like you took an oath to be candid, right? You took an oath to always tell the truth to your clients. I don't want to ever make the mistake of misrepresenting myself by having somebody else write for me and put my name on it. So can I just hire a writer? You can. Should you? No. I'm getting this question more and more because <clears throat> a couple of my clients did this. Can I just throw up those explainer videos? You know what I'm talking about when I, when I say an explainer video? An explainer video is one of these animated videos with like Phineas and Ferb uh, drawing on a blackboard and they tell you, you know, this is how a bill becomes a law, right? Remember that from Schoolhouse Rock? I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. No, that would have been a good explainer video. These days, the explainer videos are, you know, monotone, a uh, person with a terrible accent. I don't like them. And the reason I don't like them is because it, you appear lazy. You paid somebody to do an explainer video for you rather than explaining this to me yourself, right? I'd rather see you in front, of a, in front of a nice background telling me exactly what you're having the explainer video tell me. Explainer videos work for presentations. I've seen attorneys use them highly effectively, very effectively in court, okay? 
In fact, Jeffrey Bast, who's a great bankruptcy attorney here in Miami, used one in a case where he had to have a complex topic broken down. He explained it to the jury, and then he turned around and played an explainer video for the jury, and the jury really liked the explainer video on the topic because it made it really simple. On your website, people hate them. They really, really hate them. Why do people hate the explainer videos on your website? People are coming to your website to see you. That would be like you telling your friends to come over for a party and then not being there. Don't invite someone to your website for content that somebody else creates. It just doesn't make sense. A lot of these videos that are created by production companies are condescending. They make the person feel really stupid and they all look the same. So I don't recommend you use them. There's one exception. If you have a cute cartoon that explains something and you can use it as part of an article, I'd be okay with it. So I'm not talking about a video cartoon, I'm talking about a real cartoon like they used to have in newspapers when newspapers were printed. Cute cartoons can often work to explain complex subjects. I would only use it once in a while. I would never go overboard with it. And I see that the uh, chat is lighting up. Hopefully it's not lighting up to highlight my typos, but let's take a look. All right. Let's see, bah, 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 bah. okay, Carmen Hires. What about hiring a writer and then editing their content? Most people cannot write. Look at all the garbage you see on social media. Okay, well, Carmen, you basically answered your own question. Most people cannot write and most people do post garbage on social media. So hiring a writer and editing their content, I think, you know, that is 90%, you're, do, you're doing 90% of the work anyway, in my experience. I would much rather have you write the content and hire an editor. That is completely acceptable. In fact, when I work with clients and I write copy for them, and Steve Klitzner can attest to this, he's one of the few people I actually do copywriting projects for anymore. I have them write the content first, and then I punch it up because... I can't write for people who, I, I, now I can, but I can't write for people who haven't paid their taxes. I just, I don't have that experience. I mean, I've been doing this with Steve now for a long enough period of time where I, I might be able to do it, but Steve's gonna be able to do it way better because he talks to these people 100 times a day, every day. So it's better for you to write the content and hire an editor. All right, so blah, blah, blah. Nancy answers that question too, and she kind of shares my opinion. Uh, Carmen thinks Nancy has a point. Steve Siegel, uh, Steve Siegel agrees with me. That's great. And then Carmen is thanking Steve. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys are all enjoying your chat. Uh, thanks for stopping by the slideshow while there's a chat. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Let's talk about why not just outsource the whole thing. I get this question all the freaking time. Dave, I love it. We've got a great plan here. Let's do it all. Let's outsource the whole thing. All right, my response, come on now, let's outsource raising your kids too. You don't outsource raising your kids or your pets. Why? Because they're your kids and your pets. This is your content. Do not outsource it. Be smart. Do what you can do exceptionally well and don't go nuts. 
You can outsource process. What do I mean by that? If you want to cut down on the time this takes you, by all means, outsource the taking of the article and the posting it on the website. Outsource editing the article to punch up your grammar and correct spelling issues. If you want to outsource anything, outsource the posting of the article or the emailing of the article or even the distribution of the article on social media. But don't outsource the development of the content because only you know about that stuff. I'm going to do a session on hiring freelancers in the future, August or September. We're going to talk about hiring freelancers, hiring virtual assistants, getting people to help you with this stuff. I've done this a lot over the years and there are some things freelancers and virtual assistants do really well. And there are other things that will create more headaches for you. I'm going to help you with all of that. Um, I'm going to give you some guidelines on all that, but if you have a burning question on that topic, you can ask me at any time during any of these presentations. So as I said at the outset of our time together, I had a really good time putting this presentation together because basically what I did was I took all the questions that people ask me about online content and I answered them here for you. It certainly wasn't all of them, but it was a lot of them. Now, if you have any additional questions and you're watching this video on the replay, Go to the community website, davelorenzo.community. That's my name, davelorenzo.community. Log in and under this video, post your question there. I will pop in and answer it. Thank you for joining me today. It was great to have you. That'll do it for this edition of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo and I'm here with you every day with a brand new show. Join us right back here again tomorrow where we discuss how to grow your business, how to make sense of all the BS that exists on the inside. We also share business strategy with you and we share the insider business secrets. Remember, if you're not with us, joining us on the inside, you're on the outside. And I don't want you to be there. I want you right here next to me. Until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.